And welcome to the show. Another week of sports talk. Rough Riders have had back-to-back losses to the Toronto Argonauts. First time the Argonauts have swept the series from the Riders since 1991. And they did it again here in the last two weeks. Riders have never swept the Argos in back-to-back sets. Really interesting because both of those games came down to the final three or four minutes. Luke Molitor always... um, says it's a 57-minute game and a three-minute game. He got that from his old coach, Mark Tressman, and that was true to form in these uh, last two weeks. The Riders just couldn't hold on to the uh, victory uh, in the last game here yesterday. Uh, They were kind of lucky to be in the lead, thanks to Ryan Dinwiddie and his decision to kick a 61-yard field goal that Mario Alford brought back to the house. And the Riders had a halftime lead despite just 70 yards. Their defense played good. They forced five turnovers uh, from the Argos. But, uh, yeah, they just couldn't uh, capitalize offensively. I thought Jake Dolagala was pretty good. Well, we'll get into that in a sec. We'll talk about the game. We'll get your thoughts, too. 936-6262, the number to text. could also call that number locally. 936 or toll-free 1-866-767-0620. How do you feel about your team after these last two games uh, and everything that's been going on with this team the last couple of weeks? Are you still confident? Do you think we can turn it around? Coming up at 420, we'll talk with Keith Willoughby. He is the dean at the business Edwards School of Business in Saskatoon. He does CFL simulations every week for CFL.ca. 100,000 simulations. So we will get to uh, him and uh, his thoughts at 420. But first, every day after a Rough Rider game, we always take a look back in audio form. We call it the Sports Cage Rewind. Here in snippets is how the game sounded yesterday. Here is the snap, the placement, the kick is on the way, and that end over ender is high and into Pilsner Place. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders trail the Toronto Argonauts. Riders rush four, McLeod Bethel Thompson down the middle. It's picked off. Safety 35 30. What an athletic play by Darnell Safety. McLeod Bethel Thompson from the shotgun. Harris in the backfield. He gets the call. Harris will not get in. He didn't get in. Here is McLeod Bethel Thompson, second and long. He's going to throw up top. That's caught. Skinny post on the run. And Curly Giddens Jr. is going to score. 10-5. Touchdown. Curly Giddens Jr. Good get out there by Charlton Hughes. He hit him. The ball down. And it's recovered by Miles Brown. Dolagala looking to throw. Dolagala throws to the end zone. It's caught. I'm calling it now. We're returning this for a touchdown if it misses. Okay, out of the hole to Haggerty. Beattie puts his right foot into it. It's not going to have the distance, and Alfred's going to bring it out. Little stutter step waiting to set up some blockers. He's at the 5, outside at the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40. I called midfield. it. He could go. He is called gonna, it. He is going to go. House call. House call. Morrow motioning into the right in a slot. 
Here is a pass down the right sideline. Wide open. MLS. He had a wait for it, but he caught it. Sam MLS at the 18-yard line. Low snap. McLeod. He's got to get to it. He won't. It's scooped up. Charleston Hughes. McLeod Bethel Thompson throws wide open. Back in the end zone. Cam Phillips. Touchdown. Toronto. Yeah, McLeod Bethel Thompson backpedaling, backpedaling. He got sacked. Mike Adam on the blitz. Haggerty puts it down. The kick is on the way. It's good. With 43 seconds left. Alfred at the 10, at the 15, outside the numbers at the 20. Going to run back to this near side, trying to get away, and he won't. He's going to be dropped, lost the ball. Oh, and the Argos scoop it up and go in for a touchdown. The Toronto Argonauts on a fumble recovery will go in for the touchdown. Yes, indeed. So your Rough Riders lose to the Toronto Argonauts by a count of 31-21. They got a short week because the BC Lions are in here next. Time to head out to the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with one of those in Rider Nation. That's Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the Sports Cage. Hey, thanks, Ballsy. <laughs> what's up, man? What do you think? Of, what's your thoughts on the game, your team, everything like that? I'm going to say I'm very disappointed in some of the officiating. I think... With Andrew Harris losing his helmet, how many times he did, I think the refs in the command center need to start looking into this because that could have been a serious fine on Andrew Harris, and I think the league should be looking into an investigation on that. I think he has to leave the field when he loses his helmet. I think by the letter of the law. Like I, uh, he has to five times. <laughs> five times I was... I counted my fiance. I counted during the game watching it. Thirteen times, actually, he lost his helmet. Thirteen times. Our zinger, our producer, went back and watched the game again. Thirteen times, Andrew Harris lost his helmet. I think there should be some fines for that because that is just not right. A, a bigger concern to me, though, man, was how did Anthony? Everybody picks up, not everybody, but a lot of people call me a homer and unprofessional, and you're painting the riders against the CFL. Well, I, I'm sorry, I just do the eyeball test, and my eyes still work. And I saw Sean Oakman get held, that was the excuse, and roll into Cody's leg, uh, his injured leg, never got a penalty, never got a fine, never got anything. Anthony, Anthony Lanier II did the exact same thing he was held he fell into the quarterback's leg and he got a penalty i'm sorry but that is not fair i agree <laughs> sorry, my fiance is talking beside me too so she's ranting too yeah no <laughs> it's it, no it's kind of it's kind of crazy how do you feel about the quarterback jake dolagala i think he was good but just he needs to calm down and just start watching more for an open receiver i think just for a first game, just a lot of pressure for a first game. Yeah, and uh, so how you feel about your team after this little downturn, as it as it were? Well, I think they're still confident. I still think they could bring the cup back for Regina and they can get it back there. All right, man. Thanks for the call, Matthew, and your fiance. What's her name? Stacy Adam, little man Chevy in the back too was ranting. All right, good. Well, uh, good rider family there. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, hi to TC and Medicine Hat. He came by to say hi at the game along with his young son Beckett. So uh, they were there. They took a picture with me. Outstanding. Um, yeah, nine three six sixty two sixty two. Weigh in. That's our text line. Brought to you by our friends at Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Um, also, uh, you can uh, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620.
good, bad, otherwise. What did you think of the game? Uh, I thought Jake Dolagala gets a B minus. He um, he was good at times. Didn't finish a lot of his throws at times. Uh, by that I mean when you throw a football, especially as a tall quarterback, you have to finish. You're taught to finish. Like say you're a right-handed quarterback like him. You're taught to finish with your right hand coming down and finishing around your left pocket, if you picture it that way. So you come across your body, that way you finish the throw. He wasn't following through. That's why his passes were sailing. He also was kind of antsy, but I can't complain totally or put it all on him. He was playing with a makeshift receiving core, and the O-line is a huge concern right now. They haven't been up to snuff in a lot of games, especially this last game and especially in the run game. Charleston Hughes turned back the clock, and I don't care what anybody says. That is a dumb rule that needs to go. That was not... That was a touchdown. That was a touchdown when McLeod Bethel-Thompson couldn't handle the long snap. He bats it to himself. What an athletic play. And the referee told him, so Charleston says, that if he would have kicked the ball to himself, it would have been a touchdown. But because he batted it to himself, it wasn't. Have you heard anything so ridiculous? And how can it be an offside pass? He didn't have possession of the ball. What a joke. Uh, let's get to Corey and Weyburn quickly on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline. Go ahead, Corey. 100% ballsy. That could be one of the all-time stupidest calls in CFL history. Yeah, it wasn't uh, what good. Is the, what is the purpose? i got to say it. Tried to get this point across yesterday. What is the point of the eye in the sky? They get it wrong 99% of the time. And the other 1% of the time, they're either vacuuming or sweeping the floor. They're not watching the game. They don't even, they don't even make a call. Yeah. The whole point of it, mm-hmm. like I have no voice from yesterday still, the whole point of it is to to be that extra set of eyes and they don't exist. Well, I just, like, I don't, it's frustrating to me. Listen, I don't care. Like, yes, I do have a pro rider stance as voice of the riders, but just call it even. If Sean Oakman's going to get a non-call for hitting Cody in an injured left leg with a bulky knee brace on where everybody could see it's a left leg, and you say, well, he was held, he couldn't help it. Same thing applies to Anthony Lanier II. The one that killed me yesterday is we have a no-yards call that's clearly no yards, and they have to challenge it to make the refs overturn it. Unreal. And how many times in the past does it not get called? It's tons of times. That's what the eye in the sky is for. Enough of that. We know that stupidity. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I want to talk about, though, is I really do. O'Day, the failure of this GM to straighten out this O-line. There, and you can't say there weren't guys out there because there was. Randy Richards was sitting around. Bone Crusher was here last time. He didn't do much. Bring him back, for God's sakes. These guys, and you know what? I don't want to hear the argument of, oh, they're going to be all-stars someday. They're not going to be. It's not 1979. Players don't stick around for five and ten years anymore. Yeah, I mean, I... um... I I just don't understand on a great cup year when this team, and this team does, milk us season ticket holders constantly compared to other teams. Yeah. And it it is. We, we We get the shaft, truly, as a season ticket holder. Well, and I, and I can say it because I spend I'm three thousand bucks invested every year where I sit for my three seats. Thousand bucks a ticket plus uh, the Grey Cup. Now this year, there's no chance of Grey Cup the way not the way it's rolling. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't say, I don't say there's no chance. I will say this: watching the game, and you're a smart football fan. Some of the sacks 
not la- not yesterday because Natai Rogers got beat like a drum uh, when uh, when Jagger Davis went around him. But some of those sacks are on Cody Fajardo. Cody's drops are inaccurate at times, and 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 you'll say, well, that's not. Come on, no. If you're if you're if you're game planning to drop a certain distance and you drop further, well, the O-line is not in sync with the quarterback, and then they think, okay, well, I've pushed my guy past the point, but actually you've let him get right in on your quarterback because of the drop. Also, Cody Fajardo's got antsy at times, maybe because he's been battered around in fairness to him, and sometimes he runs into the sacks or doesn't get rid of the ball fast enough, so some of that's on the quarterback's too. I, I, I really believe that. And then I'm That's not right. so right. so so it's not yeah. just the O line, but I will tell you this. Our tackles, both left and right, haven't been great. Although in fairness to Andrew Lauderdale, I think he's played okay. Natai Rogers has not played okay. They obviously don't trust no, Jamal. They obviously don't trust Jamal Campbell and Taryn Vaughn. I, I'm worried the game's passed him by he's now with small. injuries. He's too small balls. Well, uh, yeah, he's got all the heart of he's got the heart of a lion, but he's only got the size of a house cat. Well, and of course, and of course, with his shoulder he's getting beat up, but he's getting with, beat up. Yeah. Look at his shoulder; his shoulder's never going to be good. Getting clobbered like it is. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of Dola Gala? Uh, I don't know. I don't what'd you know. think? It's what, very frustrating. What'd you uh, think of Dola Gala yesterday? I think he could be the future. I think he could be the future. He drops back. He's got an arm. You know, those last few plays at the end, well, number one, he had been crushed already a few times, so he's certainly he's going to get gun It's his first start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what that really irks me? It's TSN bragging about Toronto like, like they won the Super Bowl over beating. Uh, count the number of defensive players out alone. Yeah. Plus, all our whole, our whole offensive package was really out not out there or a receiver well that's why i hold hope Corey. that's why i hold hope Corey. but then that brings up another topic why why did schaefer baker not see a ball well he got three throws thrown to him and they weren't great throws etc yeah i'd have to look at the game film uh the all 24 but it's not even throws it's not even throws mike it's it's use the man on a sweep Mm -hmm. i agree i said that in the broadcast yep does our old coordinator not know how to, like, funny Toronto figured out how to do quick hitters? Yeah. It's it, embarrassing to lose to Toronto twice. <laughs> but I do hope, I hope we get the crossover, and I hope we, we go against Toronto. Because it won't be that team that played yesterday. Well, I don't think it's ever as good as you think it is or ever as bad as you think it is. And I think that's what we're looking at right now. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. Like, I know you're upset. You deserve to be upset. You spend the money. You drive in. You invest time. Sure, you deserve to be upset. But I know you, uh, Corey, you are a diehard fan, and you're in love with this team till the end. So you'll your attitude will turn around, oh, I think. Well, uh, you know, they'll turn around once they get back. Some, like, look, it. we're going to come back. We're going to have Kyron Moore. We're going to have Shaq Evans. We're going to get Micah Tights. I talked to him in the parking lot. He'll be back right after the bye. Uh, you know, you're going to get back Cody Fajardo eventually. Like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, the Bombers are rolling right now, but all it takes is Zach Kalaros to go down, and it could happen, and their season's toast. Like, absolutely toast. Yeah, everything that every Ryder fan prays for. No kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, we're not out of it yet, but there are some troubling signs. Uh, they did clean up the discipline penalties yesterday. Toronto looked like more of a, a badass team than the Riders. Duke Williams I hope he comes back and does something now. He's a good player, a great player, but he cost his team yesterday by throwing that helmet. He did. He cost his team yesterday. That's right. He seems to have had a 
I'll say it, a, a crappy, I was going to say a different word, but I'll yeah. say it this way, a crappy attitude this whole season. Because where I sit, I watch on the sideline. And now all of a sudden, he's Mr. Temper Tantrum every game. Hmm. Get over it. You're paid to, what are you guys mad about? Yeah. They're paid to do what I would do for free. <laughs> Good point. Hey, Corey, we got to roll. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate you listening and calling all the time. I welcome your calls and everybody's calls. Keep them coming if you want. 936-6262 in town. Toll free out of town. 1-866-767-0620. We are going to get to Keith Willoughby and computer simulations of the CFL. You won't like what the computer says. This is the Monday edition of the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at sherrod.com whenever we head out in the uh, hotline it's brought to you by western pizza no time to cook order western pizza it's a perfect meal that fits your hectic summer schedule our next guest is keith willoughby he's the dean at the edwards school of business in saskatoon he also does computer simulations for the cfl.ca every week so uh let's head out on the western pizza hotline and talk to him all right, Keith, well, this computer, I, what, what's going on with your computer here, man? Like, come on. I wish I could figure that out too, Michael. Obviously, the computer doesn't like the green and white right now. The computer model does give more weight to the recent games. So whenever teams get on a skid, like the Riders have had with the two straight losses to Toronto, uh, the computer model begins to look at that and uh, begins to frown upon their chances. So right now, basically, the computer model is making the riders a 200-to-1 shot. That's 0.5% of winning the Grey Cup in November in Mosaic. Yeah, so, I mean, computers are computers. They don't uh, read emotions. They don't read the room, per se. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. How do you feel? I don't agree with it. I, I think what we're seeing right now is... The computer model obviously is giving weight to those recent games, but also there's been relatively few games played thus far. We're basically a third-ish of the way through the season, so we're still dealing with a relatively small set of games. So as you get more and more games into the model, the computer gets more reliable, and it has more data upon which to base its decisions in looking at the projecting the future. So right now, yeah, it's what the computer model is telling me, but... To me, um, I see a lot of intangibles that are pointing in the positive direction for the green and white. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second, Keith. So, uh, key stat from yesterday's game, and it really ha- uh, hinges on Andrew Harris. He is a, say what you want about the guy, not a big fan. We know he got banned for uh, some illegal uh, drug use back in the day with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But this guy, he is a load. He never goes backwards. And you had a key rushing stat between the two teams that really told the tale of the game. Well, exactly, Michael. When, you know, when you look at how the, the Argos were able to win yesterday's game, it, to me, every time Andrew Harris gets the ball, it seems that the defensive front seven is playing on roller skates, like they're being pushed back. The average first down production by Toronto yesterday was about 6.6 yards. Saskatchewan, on the other hand, was 1.5, which means, on average, the Argos were looking at second and third, second and four, typically, when they had the ball. Riders were like second and eight, second and nine. And when you've got a a young offense that was dealing with basically a whole new subset of receivers, a quarterback playing his first professional game, 
you can't get behind the chains like that. So the Argos, full power to them for grinding out the football, for using Harris productively. He was able to eat up the clock, able to eat up the yardage, and to me it chewed down the rider defense, especially in the fourth quarter. All right, so what does the computer say right now as we sit at 4-3? and three? What do they say the record's going to be for the Rough Riders? What does that computer say right now? <laughs> right now, Michael, we're trending to 8-10. and 10. Um, Interesting, about two or three weeks ago we were looking at 11-7, and seven. And right now the model is giving us basically an 8-10 and 10 mark to finish the, the, to the 2022 season, projects us to finish fourth in the West, earn the crossover, and then go to Montreal to play the East semifinal. Have you uh, figured if they'll win the East semifinal in this model yet? Well, what's interesting is the computer model actually looks at the um, projected Grey Cup matchups. And as one could expect, right now the model is pretty bullish on Winnipeg and Toronto playing in the Grey Cup. They're the top two teams in each division. Uh, Winnipeg-Montreal is strong. So is Calgary-Toronto, Calgary-Montreal. But Winnipeg-Saskatchewan, Winnipeg-Saskatchewan, about a 40-to-1 chance that Saskatchewan rolls through the east, beats Montreal, beats Toronto, and then plays Winnipeg in Mosaic in the Grey Cup. Now, would that not be the most historic event in Canadian sports history. That would be Labor Day Classic Banjo Bowl wrapped up into one on some serious steroids as we reference Andrew Harris. <laughs> hey, uh, Winnipeg and Calgary, though, I, I understand, or most likely I would believe, just uh, listening to you, dom- uh, dominating the simulation model with either of them winning the Great Cup at Mosaic, which would be a terrible thing. Oh, terrible. Yeah, in fact, right now, Winnipeg, 48% chance. So almost like a uh, basically a, a one in two chance of winning the Grey Cup. Calgary's thirty six percent, so about a one in three. So those two teams together, comprising about eighty four percent of the possibilities of uh, Grey Cup champions, looking ahead to November in Mosaic. I have the Riders in my mind finishing ten and eight. I had it eleven wins initially, but with the injuries and everything, and a, and a Western heavy schedule coming up, I have them ten and eight personally. What do you have them, uh, Keith Willoughby? Personally. That- Personally, um, I concur with you, Michael. I'm, to me, the riders can leverage the last two-thirds of the season because this, even though I don't like the schedule in terms of, uh, obviously, the back-to-backs and, and some of the issues we've had of a lot of Eastern teams' uh, front-loaded East schedule, we can leverage the last part because we've got a lot of West teams. We, we, if we earn those wins, that's going to basically be a four-pointer when you play your, uh, your Western opponents. And the good news is for the riders, and this is not reflected in the computer model, the good news for the Riders is that key players are going to get back healthy. When Shaq Evans is back, Kyron Moore is back, what would our team have looked like yesterday if we would have had a complete D-line with A.C. Leonard, Garrett Marino, and Pete Robertson? What if Nick Marshall had played on the corner? To me, as those intangibles start coming back and those key players begin to uh, get in three and sort of back in the starting lineup, I think you're going to see a pivot upwards with the green and white. Well, Keith, we both don't know how it's going to look as we talk right now for Friday, but uh, what's the computer model saying for the big matchup with the BC Lions as they roar into town? Computer model, it's basically a, a, it's a toss-em. Right now, the, uh, the riders are favored, 53% chance of defeating BC. The computer model does uh, always give it a slight advantage to the home team anyway. Um, and I think, to me, as I see it, looking at it with, with uh, green color glasses, so to speak, being a rider fan, I think there's a lot of intangibles the riders can take from Sunday evening's um, game against Toronto that will really help them Friday night against British Columbia. Uh, if you look at uh, the uh, the game against the Argos, we won the turnover battle. We stopped the Argos twice on third and short. We got a special teams touchdown. To me, it came down to our inability to run the football 
and our inability to stop Andrew Harris when it counted. I think we'll have better outlook uh, in, against BC on Friday night and be able to rectify some of the things that didn't work well and point us to victory. Okay, so two more quick comments just for, from you, Keith Willoughby, the football fan, not the uh, dean of the uh, Edwards School of Business or the computer stats nerd, and I say that with all due respect. Just, <laughs> just as the football guy, Dola Gala, what did you think? With, uh, with uh, an offensive line that hasn't been spectacular and uh, a receiving core that basically was of the no-name brand. Incredibly impressed. Incredibly impressed. It's you know it's been a long time since we've had that that fresh new quarterback come in that we we've groomed as has has a rookie. I was impressed that he's got a gun of an arm. You know the guy's six foot seven, so he can see over every single offensive lineman in the league. Uh, to me, he has some physical tools that enable him to do well. His touchdown pass to Tevin Jones was was incredible, like a dart on the money. Uh, I give the guy. If I were to grade him, I'd give the guy an A minus. Yeah, oh, wow. we didn't win the game. We didn't win the game, but you, you look at what he did in terms of, I'd say, a, a rather porous offensive line with the Riders dressing only five receivers and with limited practice time this week. I think the guy did quite well. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't give him an A minus, but I'm not going to say uh, outright that you're wrong. You're right. You, you bring up a couple of good points. I. Uh, I think he's here, though, because he may have... I want to see a little bit more of him if we get a chance because he may have some accuracy issues. And you can't... I don't think you can become accurate. You're either accurate or you're not accurate. You know what I mean? Exactly. I think that's part of, you know, hopefully as he continues to to mold into being a professional athlete and understand the game here, I think he can do that. What I saw on a couple of his tosses, you know, early in the second quarter, there was an incompletion. I think he threw to to Ken Schaefer-Baker. He can make a wide side throw really well. Again, need to work on the accuracy, but he's got the gun of the arm. If he's in short yardage, if he simply leans over by his body length, he's going to get us a yard and a half, two yards easy. So I think there's a lot of tools that I see that can point upward for him. An emerging guy might be this Tevin Jones, not only as a receiver, but he's busting his butt on special teams with the tackles too. I, you know, that's why I was excited to watch that game, to see some new faces. Exactly. You know, you saw that um, Dolegal and Jones seemed to develop a chemistry uh, in terms of you know, the ability to, to find the open, open player there. That helps us as we, as we go forward. Again, as we get more and more of our athletes back who are healthy, I think there's a spot for Tevin Jones to still contribute to this team. Yeah, but the only bad thing, not to be negative, Nelly, but you've got to call it like you see it. The heartbeat of any football team in any league is your offensive line. That is the key unit, and the Rough Riders just aren't cutting it at the offensive line right now. No, they're, they're, they're porous up there. Uh, the inability to run block, the inability to, inability to pass block, and to me the most glaring circumstance was in the fourth quarter after Frankie Hickson goes beast mode to the one-yard line, and then we commit an illegal procedure penalty on, on, on second goal from the one and have to go back to the six-yard line. That really um, deflated the Riders' chances of really having a positive outcome yesterday. Don't you think that rule that uh, wiped out the Charleston uh, Hughes touchdown should be wiped out of the record book? That was a that was a that was the best athletic play of the entire night he, from a 38 year old guy who bats it to himself. Now I know why the rule's in there. It goes back to the holy roller rule with the uh, Oakland Raiders. I think it was 1977 or 1980 in San Diego where they uh, they threw the ball into the end zone to recover it. So the NFL changed the rule. I didn't realize. That was a rule in the CFL, uh, and uh, they called it an offside pass. But don't you have to have possession to have an offside pass? I just thought it was a great athletic play by Charleston Hughes. 
To me, it's a horrible rule. Uh, again, harkening back to the NFL and the holy rule, this wasn't Dave Casper from the Raiders, yeah. you know what Charleston Hughes was doing. To me, um, it's a penalty if he bats it forward to somebody else in the team, but he batted it forward to himself. He was onside. He was never ahead of the ball. To me, that's um, a really curious rule that needs, that needs to be eliminated. It's such a rare play, and when it does happen, uh, to me, it has... I don't see any rhyme or reason in terms of that rule existing. Well, what happens here? What happens here if there's a scramble on the sideline? Like, it's very subjective. Because what if there's a scramble on the sidelines on a fumble like we saw from Je- Jeshron Antwi, the Montreal Alouettes near the riders' bench uh, that Amari Henderson got a couple of weeks ago? What happens if uh, you know Clark hits him, bats it forward, Henderson picks it up and goes for a touchdown when it's a mad scramble on a fumble? That should be called back too. And I bet you if that play played out the way that I'm describing it they would have uh, let the touchdown stand. So it's kind of goofy. It's subjective. And I, I thought the league had implemented rules to streamline calls. It seems like it's t- taking them longer and longer to make calls. Agreed. Yeah, I think that that rule um, doesn't need to be there. And you think of... I think with the the issue that I had being in the in the stands yesterday was when when the call was made. It was everybody was seemed to be curious as to why the points are coming off the board. Um, you, you need to make the the league fan friendly in terms of the product on the field, but also the experience of just having it be realistic and reasonable in terms of what's appropriate for for rules and regulations. And I know I'm saying that as a rider fan that I wish the Hughes touchdown would have counted because it would have put us up at least 25, 14, 26, 14 if they would have gone for the two point conversion. But it's, um, it's a rule that has no place to me in, in the bearing of the game and doesn't speak uh, at all to what I would consider to be um, a football play. What Hughes did uh, for somebody whose jersey number nearly matches his age was absolutely athletic and incredible. I will tell you this, too, uh, Keith Willoughby, as uh, we're ranting as two Ryder fans, but uh, I don't care who's playing. So the week before, Oakman rolls into the leg of Cody Fajardo, and it's deemed not a penalty even on the challenge and he doesn't get fined or suspended following the game, okay? So, all right, okay, we move on. People say, well, he was held and he couldn't help himself. Well, the same thing happened in this game when I think it was Lanier II being held, falls into the leg of McLeod Bethel Thompson, and he gets a 15-yard penalty. It's the inconsistencies that reek of the WWE here in the CFL, in my opinion. Um, I I can't disagree with you on that one. I've often said that... um I don't mind if the referees are being too rigid or too tight or, or too loose. I simply want them to be consistent. I want like, a, like an umpire with a strike zone or a professor grading essays. I want you to be consistent in terms of the product. But what we see from week to week shows inconsistency, and that's what makes it frustrating as a fan. I will tell you this, too. Do you not agree with this? Now, listen, we need, re- we need re- officials. We need to respect officials. If we don't have officials, we don't have a game. And they got a tough job, so I'm not just going to bang on the officials. But everybody is made to talk after the game except for somebody from the officiating crew. I call rubbish on that in any league. Officials should be made to answer for their calls or non-calls. I agree. As a society, we preach accountability and responsibility. And to me, they should be able to uphold the calls they made. One of the most, uh, to me, egregious ones was the fact the riders had to challenge a no-yards call when clearly the law of mathematics and physics would point out that the Argo player was within the five-yard halo. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And lastly, let's end on a positive note. The one thing we can all agree on in the Canadian Football League, which absolutely trumps American football, there is no dispute on that, is our return game, our kicking game. It's still a three-phase football game. We saw the best of it, thanks to Ryan Dinwiddie and his ridiculous long field goal attempt with Boris Beattie. But what a great job by Mario Alford. I know he fumbled at the end of the game trying to make something happen in desperation, but that was a highlight of the game. It was, you know, that to me, that type of play, you, you package that play and you show it uh, south of the border. To me, you can galvanize a lot of fans because it was a play at the end of the half. Um, as you mentioned, I don't know what Dinwiddie was doing. He has a history since 2007 of trying to help the Riders win games. So maybe he was trying to pull one out of the bag there for us. But it was, uh, to me, and again, listening to the broadcast after, I think Luke nailed it, that uh, when you're trying a 61-yard field goal, if this isn't good, it's coming back the other way. And lo and behold, it did happen. Hey, Keith, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited here on 620 CKRM. Our text line, Hummin 936-6262. It's a number to text brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln. What would you think of the game? Dola Gala, the O-line, Charleston Hughes turning back the clock yesterday. Had a sack and then got ripped off on a fumble recovery touchdown because apparently he passed it to himself, which... He batted it to himself. The ref said if he would have kicked it to himself, it would have been good. So just an interesting quirk in the rule book. How do you feel about your team at 4-3? and 936-6262, the number to text. All right, let's uh, go out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with the outstanding quarterback of the BC Lions. I'm a fan, not this week, but I am a fan, Nathan Rourke. How are you today, Nathan? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Uh, it wasn't a. It, I watched that whole game. Uh, tried to. I tried to stay awake as best I could. It wasn't the high flying BC Lions that I was promised. It was a. It was a seventeen twelve slobber knocker. I'm like this Nathan Rourke kid. He's supposed to throw for four hundred and four touchdowns every game. What a bum! Hey Nathan, what was that game like? Elite. You guys found a way to win, which is always nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we weren't we weren't happy with our offensive production. That's for sure. But you got to give Hamilton credit. That's a good football team, and, and they certainly got um, some playmakers on the defense and good scheme, well coached and. Um, it's good to know that your defense can step up and win games for you as well. So, and that's exactly what happened. So, um, excited, excited that we got that we were out of that game against a good team with a win. Uh, but we're moving on, uh, looking forward to the Riders this week. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. But let's talk about you guys here. James Butler, the former Rider running back, is really catching fire behind you. What does he add to your offense? Yeah, I think uh, James is such a, a versatile player. He's able, obviously, to to run the ball and. And our O-line's done a great job of, uh, of this year of, of allowing him to do so. Um, but I think he's also shown that he's, uh, he's a playmaker out of the backfield as well. And, um, and that just, I think, puts stress in the defense when they're, they're running back uh, kind of like a sixth receiver out there. So um, the more you can do, the, the more valuable you are. And he certainly proved that this year. In your mind, is there an under-the-radar guy in your receiving core or on offense that doesn't get the publicity maybe he deserves? Is there one of those guys? Yeah, I, I think the first guy that comes to mind um, is Javon Katoy. Um, he's uh, one of those guys that does a lot of blocking for us because he's such a big dude, but when he gets the ball in his hands, um, it, it's going to take more, more than one defender to bring him down. And so uh, he's a guy that, that comes to mind as, as someone who, honestly, I don't think he um, 
is is too big in terms of getting the, the recognition. He he just loves the game and he's fun to be around and um, he's definitely such a hard worker and he de- deserves all the recognition in the world. But we've got so many of our receivers who've uh, had really big games. Hatcher, another one, stepped up when Burnham went down. So. Um, it, it's great to have such a well-rounded group. Yeah, I tell you what, you got a big guy like Katoy, big Canadian receiver, and I say that because I love promoting Canadians, like Americans too, but big Canadian receiver out of the junior ranks, and he made a nice uh, nice uh, catch on the sidelines there that didn't look like a catch recently. That guy, he's got great body control. Yeah, for such a big guy. I mean, he's he's uh, he's over 250 pounds, but he, he <sighs> runs, and he's got great, great hands. Um, so he's He's a guy that um, I, I think that we're very lucky to have. He had an opportunity to try it with some NFL teams in the off season this past year, and and uh, they uh, for one reason or another he wasn't able to stick. Uh, so we're very lucky to have him, and uh, he's had a, have, having a great season so far. Speaking of lucky, Lucky Whitehead had his best game, which is a good sign for you. Not so good for the Riders as you come to town, as he came uh, back from a bit of a injury to one of his wheels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, when you have Lucky out, it, it kind of it changes who we are as an offense, right? And uh, with, yeah, I mean, he's he can do so many things, and he stresses defense uh, in terms of jet sweeps and just the speed on the on the uh, on the outside. So to have him back in full form is is great for us, and I'm we're excited to to have him uh, be a big part of the game plan. Um, there was a couple games there where uh, we didn't know exactly where he was going to be percentage wise in terms of his his health. So it was good to have him back 100 percent and. Hopefully that continues, uh, uh, you know, going forward. One of the interceptions wasn't your fault uh, in the last game in terms of it went through the receiver's hand, it was picked off. But after the game, you uh, had some comments I read. You weren't overly happy with your performance. What do you want to do better this week? What have you identified? One or two things you need to be better at to get the win here in a tough place. Yeah, um, I think that the biggest thing is is taking care of the ball. Um, uh, last couple of games have had multiple um, turnovers, and, and that's just not going to cut it, especially against a team like Saskatchewan. Um, they're very good at forcing turnovers. They're, um, they, they, they find ways to do that in a number of ways, whether it's forcing fumbles or, you know, that veteran secondary, they're able to to, uh, to make some plays there. So, um, you know, you got to make sure that we're not giving that offense any, any extra opportunities and, and uh, not putting our, our defense into some bad situations. Um, and with short fields and whatnot, so um, really got to make sure that uh, we take care of the ball and and uh, we, we we force them to earn it as uh, best we can. You're too young to be nostalgic. The older you get, you'll you'll start taking a walk down memory lane. But is Mosaic Stadium kind of special to you? You you were thrust into the starting role last year. You look like a deer caught in headlights early on, but I've talked to you a couple times about this. I liked your moxie. You fought back hard and did a great job, and then Mike Riley came off the bench, and I think you guys just ran out of time in week one last week. But does this place kind of special to you coming back because it was where kind of things started for you here? Yeah, I think in a, in a way it certainly is. I think uh, Mosaic's a special place regardless of, of whether it was my first start or not. I mean, you just look at that stadium, you look at how passionate the fans are, and and uh, you look at the the historic greatness of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's just a place that you want to go in and win and, and um, as an opposing team. So um, we're really looking forward to it. Um, definitely we'll be thinking about and probably be asked about those type of things uh, leading up until this week, but 
uh, it's definitely just going against uh, such a great team and, and the Riders is it's certainly a pleasure and that's why I'm looking forward to it. Okay, we'll let you go here, but I'm going to bring this up. This has a big time. This has a big time vibe. It has a big game vibe here this week, this Friday. Are you feeling it out in Vancouver as you come to Regina? This is the one right before the bye week. Riders want to win before they go to a much needed bye and rest up. So they're going to be raring to go. Do you have that big uh, game vibe out there? Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. We we definitely feel like we're on a stretch with with, uh, with Hamilton last week, Saskatchewan this week, heading into some more West games uh, after this one, um, where it's a very important stretch for us. Um, we kind of are. I think it's 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 enough. We've done enough trying to feel ourselves out, and it's it's now about getting some valuable wins uh, against our division opponents. And um, you know, what better way to do that than to uh, to, to play a team in Saskatchewan and in, uh, in their place? So. We're really looking forward to that one and, and definitely seems like a big game for us and we're looking forward to the challenge. Well, I'll tell you what, Nathan, I'll let you go, but our IT guy, Jim Dewhurst, here in the back, he is the biggest BC Lions fan. He, he was parading around his Nathan Rourke jersey, so 32,198 people might be booing you, but that 199th person will be cheering for you, okay? So you'll have one guy in the stands for sure. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. We can take everyone we can get uh, against <laughs> all those guys, so we appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, take care, Nathan. Uh, we'll talk to you this week. Yeah, thanks. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Nathan Rourke, outstanding quarterback for the BC Lions. Got to be the choice right at the top as the MOP along with... Uh, <laughs> Probably Zach Kolaris again. Yuck. Anyway, we'll be back with a sports ticker, and we'll hear from Tevin Jones from last night, our postgame show. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back to the action. Zinger with the sports ticker. It's 452, and it's for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. They're hiring. Starting salary for service technicians is $75,000 plus signing bonus. Give them a call at 781-2090. Well, we got a doubleheader tonight at Curry Field. It will be two seven-inning ball games between the Sox and Medicine Hat Mavericks. Game one starts at 6 p.m. Game two will start shortly after that at around, uh, let's say, about 8 p.m. One ticket gets you into both games tonight, so it's two-for-one night at Curry Field. Sox enter play tonight. Just two and a half games back of Moose Jaw for first place in the East Division. Yeah, Hockey Canada announcing that Pats forward Tanner Howe and top prospect Matthew Wood have been named as part of Canada's National Men's Summer Under-18 team at the 2022 Helenka-Gretzky Cup July 31st to August 6th at the PV Mart Centrium in Red Deer, Alberta. We got the text line humming 936-6262 for our friends at Capital Ford Lincoln. We promise, good, bad, otherwise, we will uh, read your text. That's what we do around here. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you got there, Zinger? Yeah, just keep the text clean, and then Zinger will read them. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got uh, one texter says, uh, if Fajardo would throw the ball away instead of turtling, and turtling is in quotations, Yeah. Uh, he says uh, when he's about to be sacked, he could avoid further hits to his knee. So that's a comment regarding uh, Fajardo. And then this texture says, Ballsy, I don't even have the words anymore, man, about the CFL official slash command center. I would have fired Jason Moss last night. He's useless. Uh, a rock would be better at OC. Man, that, those are some fiery words. On I don't know yet. Everybody wants to pick on the OC. Everybody wanted to run, uh, uh, what was, uh, McAdoo out McAdoo. of town. McAdoo got us, uh, when, when Chris Jones devalued the quarterback position, McAdoo with the offense almost got us to the Grey Cup. And Jason Moss, um, 
the last couple of weeks, come on, let's be honest here. The 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 dude's quarter well, the dude's quarterback's on one leg, number one, takes away half of his ability and some of the things he can call. Shaq is out, Kyron Moore's out, Duke Williams uh, uh, took a foolish penalty and he's out for this game. They have a bunch of no names, no backups, and their center's been out, Dan Clark, perennial all-star. So let, come on now. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what? Uh, it sounds like excuses, but sometimes they're not excuses. They're facts. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to throw Jason Moss out. He has proven he could be a great OC in this league, and it's a marathon, not a sprint. If we're talking about a five-win team or a six-win team at the end of the year when all the guys are back, fine, fine. But uh, let's not get too carried away. I will tell you this, though. Uh, I wanted to see that game yesterday for some emerging stars. We know we have the Sankeys and the Moncriefs and some of those guys, KSB, who they had a tough time getting the ball to. That's my only critique of Moss. They should have tried to get the ball to KSB uh, a little uh, quicker. But anyway, they got it to this guy, Tevin Jones. He joined us in the postgame show. Tevin, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Talk about the touchdown grab. You ran that corner route. Nice throw from Dolagala. Oh, yeah. Um... Uh, they, he gave in the play call, and I, I, I tried to go out there and, and do the best I can do. He put the ball in there, and I caught it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just talk about uh, emerging as one of the, the targets on this team. You're a guy that earlier in the season had a 40-yard grab down the sidelines. Uh, oddly, it was kind of odd in Wolfville. They didn't use you very much, but they got back to using you today. Just talk about uh, finding your way in this offense. Right. So um, I'm trying to do everything I can to make this team better. That's if they throw me on special teams, I'm going to go on special teams, make a tackle, do everything I need to do. They put me on offense, I'm going to try to get the ball and, and run as fast as I can, as hard as I can. They, t- they put the ball in the air, I'm going to try to catch it. Um, if they say a run play, I'm going to try to go get blocks, you know. So I, I'm just glad that um, the Rough Riders gave me a chance and came out here to uh, go out here and do what I can do. You know, I'm a big believer in guys putting themselves in position to win and controlling the things that they can control. So one of the things that's obviously gotten you to where you are to this point is your ability to catch on to the playbook. What's the uh, the first few weeks been like for you as, as a young receiver um, getting acclimated here? Um, uh, at first, it was it was it was interesting. You know, uh, Canadian football is definitely different from American football. But um, I had a great group of people, um, coaches and teammates, who who came out and uh, and and put the extra time in and the extra effort to um, to get me to learn everything. So um, and now I don't know I don't only know one position I know multiple multiple positions only because of the coaches and my teammates. So I love them guys and and uh, hopefully I can do more. Easier or harder to catch a Canadian ball? Um, it honestly it's the, it's the same. It's the same right now, you know. Um, but when it gets cold, I know that's going to be difficult, you know. <laughs> so I'm just waiting on it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and a special team, you mentioned that. You had a really the good cold. T- the cold's yeah, coming, by yeah, the way. Yeah, you don't even know what cold is. <laughs> uh, actually, you don't even know what cold is. So, uh, yeah, get ready for it. But um, you made a nice tackle on special teams. Just talk about that aspect because, absolutely, man, you're going to stay on this team, and you're going to play by doing those little things. Right. So I know that um, it, it, takes, it takes special teams to win a game. So I take uh, my tackling very serious. I know I'm a receiver, and I'm new to tackling. But I try to go out there and um, get with the defensive coach, the defensive head coach. He helps me out a lot. Go out there and do drills with him. Uh, he spends extra time after practice and helps me on my tackling form, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I try to just go out there and try to blend in with the defense. Yeah, so, uh, Tevin, lastly, how are you feeling about this team? You lost two tough ones to Toronto. Obviously, you haven't had a full roster, and then this week was a disaster. Just your thoughts after this one. Um, I know that that 
every game that we played in so far has been has been close. The, 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 the ones that we lost has been close. I just know that once we tweak some things, we'll, we'll be great. We haven't got the full potential of our offense yet, and uh, I know that um, um, we're going to tweak some things around and, and just get going. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. Well, I can't wait it, to see. I can't wait to see how you progress, man. You had a really good game today, a solid game. Good job in special teams. Uh, your first touchdown and also uh, making a couple of key catches. Uh, congratulations, you're our offensive game star. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's Tevin Jones. Like that kid. We'll talk uh, to Coach Dickey about him. Yes, Coach Dickinson, the Craig Dickinson Show on the other side of five o'clock. Get your texts in for the coach. The only place where he answers your questions. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. We're on the other side of the five o'clock news with Andrew Dawson. Show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. I'm allowed one mistake a show, and I've used it up because I forgot to put in the clutch performance at 420 where we normally run it. So we'll give a shout out to Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781 1077. And even though it pains me to say this, uh, the clutch performer of the uh, of the night yesterday was Andrew Harris. Easily his finest moment as an Argo. Uh, he made CFL history again. He bullied his way for 143 yards rushing at another 45 through the air, most coming in the second half as uh, the Argos uh, went on to beat the Riders 31-21. Harris became the first Canadian and only the sixth player in CFL history to reach 10,000 yards rushing. And so, the first player ever to lose his helmet 13 times yeah, in one game. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Okay, let's get the coach Craig Dickinson, shall we? This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the Riders bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. So Zinger on the other side of the glass, you let me know when you got the text coming in, 936-6262. You got questions for Coach Craig Dickinson. Uh, first, we'll welcome him onto the show. Coach, thanks for giving us your time a half an hour each Monday. We really appreciate it. We know you got a short and busy week, and it's been a tough two-week stretch. So thanks for your time, my friend. Oh, you're welcome, Ballsy. Always Always a nice break during the day to, to sit down and visit with you. So I'm happy to be here. All right. So let's get to a quick text zinger if you've got one there. Let's start it that way. What do you got? Got a text from Jeff. Says, ask uh, Coach about players losing their helmets. Harris lost his helmet. I can't even remember how many times. 13 times, Coach. Do you ever call the ref over and say, hey, isn't that a delay a game? Uh, you know, I didn't know it was that many, but it's. I have seen his helmet on the ground a lot. I think I think he likes to lose his helmet so then he can wave to the crowd and everybody recognizes him. So he's got to either talk to the equipment guy and get that thing strapped in a little better or something because you're right, he he does lose his helmet. But he, you know what, to his credit, he... He had a heck of a game against us, so I, I can't really take anything away from him. He, he's a good football player. Frustrating dude to play against, right? Like he, it, 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 It's almost demoralizing at times because you got him in the hole and the dude still falls two or three yards forward to get extra yards. Yeah, he, he's got – he's one of these guys. He's he's stronger than you think, and, and, and he's bigger than you think. You know, he's all 220 pounds and – you're right. He has a he has a real knack for getting small when he needs to, avoiding the big hit, and then and then falling forward at the finish. I I've watched him all this morning again and, and evaluated the tape, and 
Yeah, he was a one-man wrecking crew against us the other night. He had a really good game. Coach, I want you to talk about, since you watch tape, uh, you, you probably have uh, talked to your offensive coaches. How would you grade Jake Dolagala's performance yesterday? I personally give him a B-, minus, just with all the factors going on. Uh, but how about yourself watching him? Yep. Yeah, I would too. I'd give him a solid B. I mean, we didn't help him a lot. I mean, he, we wanted to be able to run the ball better than we did. And, and that that was difficult when, when we couldn't run the ball we got second and long it's tough because you know he he's only got four receivers on the field and and you know he's still trying to get his rhythm and get his timing with these receivers so i thought he did a good job you know the one play i wish we had back was uh was the quarterback sneak at the goal line you know if he waits just a hair longer lets the line get set i think we score on that and by the way the line's got to get set quickly so it's kind of a shared responsibility on that but you know, he gave us a chance to win, and, and that's all we wanted him to do, and I thought he did that. All right, Coach Craig Dickinson joining us here. This is the only place each week he has time to take listener calls and texts, so let's go to the text line again, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln Zinger. Dave in Regina says, Could you ask, Coach, why no help has been brought in for the offensive line? Because Dave thinks it clearly could use some help. So, uh, Coach, uh, just a, you can just do a blanket statement on the O-line, how you think they're playing, and I know it's not your job to bring people in, it's just your job to coach who's here. Just your thoughts on the offensive line. Yeah, well, it's a good question by Dave. and The reality is we've got some good players on the O-line. We just didn't play very well. And we've got some good players on the, on the practice roster that are offensive linemen. So if we need to make a change, we will. Uh, but we feel like we've got a good a good group of old linemen. They've just got to play a little better. Our confidence is down a little bit right now. We're going to work hard this week to simplify some things in the run game and, then, and in the pass game and just get them firing off the football and playing physical again. Because we feel like we've got, especially up front, that we've got a good enough team up front that we can play better than what we did on on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so um, in terms of the O-line and the sacks, you guys going into the game had the most quarterback sacks, and you'd given up the most quarterback sacks, which is kind of interesting. It's almost a soft. Um, but as it relates to the offensive line, sometimes, and I'm not making excuses for the offensive line, I think, you know, Taron Vaughn looks like he's, uh, you know, he's, he's undersized, so he needs to be quick, and he needs everything working, and his shoulder's kind of been bothering him, okay? Uh, I thought Andrew Lauderdale's been okay. You can agree or disagree when I'm done here. Uh, I think Natai Rogers has to pick up his game a little bit. He's been better in the penalty department, but he needs to be a, a, a little more consistent, especially in pass blocking. But as it relates to sacks sometimes, I think sometimes the quarterback gets some of the blame too in terms of their drops, in terms of running into sacks, in terms of being a little antsy. Just your thoughts on that. I agree. I agree. It's a, it's a, shared, it's a combined effort, you know. And the and the thing that's crazy too is you know teams can rush four, and you got five alignments, so you think oh five on four we should be fine. But the reality is there's only one, one double team essentially. It's a center and one of the guards, and everybody else is kind of on their own. So if if each one of the alignment has one bad play and gives up a sack, you can all of a sudden have five sacks in a hurry, uh, and it can look pretty sloppy because of that. So. I think I think it's a shared responsibility. Those five got to play as one. That's something you hear all the time. Five is one, and that's an offensive line, you know, mantra, so to speak. And the other thing is a quarterback. Quarterbacks got to buy some time by moving a little bit one way or the other to get away from pressure. And like you said, if if the quarterback gets antsy and spills, all of a sudden those 
blocking angles that the offensive linemen thought they have, they sometimes disappear. So I think sacks are a combination of really three things. Offensive line play, primarily. Quarterbacks, in terms of will they sit in the pocket or slide away from it. And then three, you got to give credit to the secondary as well because most of the time if the defense is covering well, it causes the quarterback to hang on to it a little longer. And, and as a result, guys get home a little bit more often. Hey, before we get to Zinger with the text, I just want to wrap up the O-line talk here. Josiah St. John made an appearance, uh, highly touted first overall pick. I think relative to his selection, people call him a disappointment. I think he is a good, uh, like if he was taken in the third round, nobody would talk that way. So what are your expectations of how you think he'll play this year? Will he always just be a backup rotating in, or do you think he could emerge in that offensive line? Well, right now he's a you know he's a sixth or seventh guy, and part of it is because he's been injured. He's had a hard time staying healthy. It seems like he gets hurt once a year. So mm-hmm. hopefully that knee injury he got in training camp. Hopefully that'll be it for him, and uh, and he can continue to get stronger and get better. Um, but right now he's still got you know he's still got some work to do, mm-hmm. and and you could tell yesterday was was his first game playing for a while because he had some good and he had some not so good. So. We'll keep working with them. The nice thing is that offensive line group is a really good group, and they're they're a strong group in terms of camaraderie and working together. So I think I think if he stays in tight with that group, he's going to get better, and hopefully by the end of the year he'll see some some significant playing time. That's the goal, anyways. Over to you, uh, Zinger from the fans. What do you got, Bernie's on the text line. He says, "Hey, coach." I'm just wondering if you think that offensive coordinator Jason Moss called a good enough game to help his young quarterback Jake Dolagala yesterday. I think he did to answer that question. You know, we just didn't execute very well. We had we had a staff meeting this morning and we talked about um, some of the things that happened in the game. And, and the one thing I, I asked the offensive line coach is, are we doing too much uh, in the run game specifically? And he says, no, he doesn't think so. And and I would agree with them. It was execution more than anything. We just got to, whatever it is we're doing, we got to tighten down a little bit and make sure that we're executing it. Because if you call, you know, you can call a bunch of plays or you can call a few plays, but you still got to execute. And that's, I think that's what got us this last game. And maybe it was all the new faces. We needed more practice time together. We needed more reps. I don't know what it is. But at some point, you hope that there's some carryover from weeks of practicing and that we can we can execute at a high level, even if we don't get a lot of practice time to do it. But that's the challenge we're we're facing this week, and that was that was the challenge last week as well. How do how do you execute at a high level with limited number of reps? I was lastly before we go to break here, Coach. I, I was just shocked. I know you tried to get the ball to. Um... Two key and Schaefer Baker, and actually Dola Gala hit him between the eight and nine on the far sideline uh, down in the Toronto uh, uh, end of the field, but he couldn't catch it. A rare drop for him. But like we didn't see jet sweeps or anything out of the backfield like like we normally were. That kind of that kind of shocked me. He didn't try to get the ball more to who, who turned out to be your veteran guy in the huddle there for receivers. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Coach Moss has a few few he wish wish he could do over like we all do. Yeah. But for the most part, uh, I thought Jake targeted Schaefer Baker a lot. Um, you know, we just didn't have the bodies to do a lot of formations with only four receivers. And I think that's where you get Schaefer Baker on the edges is when you can have formation teams a little bit more than we could. We could only go a couple of couple of different personnel packages. And as a result, I think you saw limited, limited uh, ways to try to get him the ball. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully get some guys back this week and we, we can do a little bit better.
All right, we're going to take a break, be back with more of your texts and some more comments for the coach in the second segment of the Craig Dickinson Show, brought to you by our friends at McDougal Auctioneers. We'll be back in a moment on 620 CKRM. And we're visiting with our buddy, Coach Craig Dickinson, your uh, coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I call him a friend because he's more than just a head coach around here. He's a friend of the show. This uh, segment of the show is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. Before we get to a couple of texts, Coach, I'm not going to lie to you. You're my friend, but sometimes I call you out on the broadcast. I was like, what the heck is he doing? They're down there in deep. They're going for... Take the points. Why are you gambling? But then it worked out. You scored a touchdown. I guess that's why you're the coach and I'm the lowly radio announcer. But uh, I get your mentality. You probably thought, I don't know how many times I'm going to get down here. Yeah, that's exactly what we thought. <laughs> uh, so I understand what you're thinking there. You know, take the points. But I really felt like if we got inside the, you know, the 10 or a 15-yard line and it was manageable, we were going to try to score touchdowns. So that was the mindset. I won't do that every week, but that was the mindset this game is when we got in close, we're going to try to score touchdowns if if it was third and manageable. Coach, how do you keep your cool on the sidelines? I, I, and I'm serious about this, okay? Uh, Oakman falls into your quarterback's left knee, and the excuse is, even after you threw a challenge flag in Wolfville, well, he didn't mean to do it, uh, there was no intent, and he was being held, and all this type of mumbo-jumbo. And then the exact same thing happens this week with Lanier the second, and he gets rung up for a 15-yard penalty. Then there's a no-yards that you got a challenge. They didn't call it. You had a challenge, a no-yards play. And then Charleston Hughes bats the ball to himself and runs for a touchdown and he said the ref told him if he kicked the ball to himself it would have been okay but because he batted it and it looked like it was an intentional play uh, it's wiped off the board how do you keep your cool man I don't know I, I think it's just I, I think I've always been pretty level headed and and, uh, and logical in terms of how I think so um and and I think I think you stay in the present. You don't have time to get too emotional and remember things if you're always focused on the play at hand. So, I did I did have a little bit of an issue with the roughing the passer. I, I mentioned it to the official Tim uh, Croker. I said, "Hey, how is that any different than last week?" And he felt like our guy hit him with a little bit of force. So, the reality is, I don't want to throw the refs under the bus, but I'm also not going to make excuses for him in the fact that. We have to figure out and, and hopefully define, and, and I'm going to visit with um, Darren Hackwood, who I think does a great job as the head of officials. Tell us exactly what the standard is on that low hit, because I do think there's com- some confusion right now in what is roughing the passer and what isn't on the low hit. We all know what's late. We all know what's high. But I really think it would be good for all of us to get some clarification on what is the standard for the low hit and uh, – and help us out, help us coach it better because right now it's it's hard to coach coach it. I mean, other than just don't hit them low at all, and, and as we know, sometimes it happens inadvertently. Yeah, and come on, uh, I've been joking. You're the and you coach for them. I, I I've been joking. The only thing missing is Al Davis. It's a CFL against the Saskatchewan Raiders. But come on, when you look at it, man, like do you feel like your team's being painted with a negative brush here? Just just like it was the same hit, but. Well, it looks like you guys used a little bit too much force. Yeah, I don't know, but I do know this. I, that's why I'm trying to change the dialogue. I think, I think there's uh, 
I think we have a little bit of a reputation as being maybe a little bit on edge and playing a little bit, little bit over the line. And I want to try to change that dialogue because I don't think we are getting the benefit of the doubt on a lot of, you know, borderline calls. And we want to try to get the benefit of the doubt on those. So I've got to work hard to change the dialogue of, of what, what's out there on us and try to change our perception a little bit because reality is perception in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to officiating. And if you want to get, get the calls that are, you know, in between or, or, or borderline, I think you got to try to change your reputation a little bit. But that's going to take time, but we're going to keep working on it, try to continue to play disciplined football, clean football, and hopefully by the end of the year, uh, the referees will will, uh, will give us the benefit of the doubt on some of those borderline calls. Let's rip off a few texts here, Zinger, for the coach before we let him go. Go ahead. Uh, Jacob's wondering, uh, hey, Coach Dickinson, will uh, Jake Dolagala get first-team reps this week? Can't tell you that right now. We're still waiting to see how Cody feels, but if Cody's good to go, he'll be our starter, and then we'll decide between Mason and Jake. Yeah, fact of the matter, Coach, a lot of fans have said, well, we, we should rest him. Rest him up this week, rest him up against BC, and he'll be good to go for the back half. Listen, if Cody's hurt with a bum knee, the bottom line is Cody's going to be hurt the rest of the year unless he had to get a surgery or something like that. Am I right when I say that? Like, he's never going to be 100% this year. That's it. Yeah, you're right for the most part. I mean, the, the thing about it is if a guy's healthy, you got to play him. It's it's not, you know, in pro football, unfortunately, it's not like baseball where there's 160 games to play and you can rest guys and you don't necessarily need to win every one. But in pro football, there's only 18, and you've got you've to try to put your best team out there every week. In fact, it's a disservice to the others if you don't, you know. It's, it's a disservice to the fans and it's a disservice to your players that are out there playing their tails off to not put your best team so we will always put our best team out there if a guy is injured or he's he's not at 100 percent and we don't feel like he can he can do what he needs to to help us win and to keep himself safe we won't play him but i'll tell you what if cody's healthy enough to play and wants to play and, and can be effective he'll play if not We'll sit him for this week. Go ahead, Zinger. Dave in Prince Albert asks, uh, Coach, how come you didn't take the single point after the first two touchdowns uh, when you have a rookie quarterback, and why didn't you uh, use your running backs? How come the running backs weren't uh, effective yesterday with Hickson and Morrow? Well, I'll, use, I'll answer the first point. Uh, the reality is we got a two-point chart, and we, we lean on that quite a bit. Uh, in hindsight, I probably should have kicked, kicked both of them, and we would have probably got two points instead of zero excuse me, instead of zero out of the deal. But I think the first time we were up four and the chart says try to try to get it to six and maybe 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 that was the second one. And then the first one I believe we were down to. So anyways, uh I it's a gut call in a lot of ways to go to two, go for two or go for one, but especially as you get into the second half it becomes more of just a just a mathematical thing. When when you got a chance to get it to uh six and not four and maybe hopefully get it to two scores and not one we go for two um but you're right it's a good point our offense wasn't playing very well and and uh the reality was we went over two on the two-point converts and maybe in hindsight i should have kicked them but i i go off a two-point chart and i'll just leave it at that and we also have a uh, mike at T- or uh, uh peter wondering the status of mike at tights coach tights is getting close you know he's, he got a groin that he had to get fixed up um i would say after the bye week, mm-hmm. we can expect to see Mike out there a little bit more. He's still 
he's still on the six-game injured list, unfortunately, which means he can't practice. So it's not like he's a week away. He's probably two to three, maybe even four. So hopefully by Labor Day we'll see Micah. Yeah, uh, and, and you're probably hoping to, you're probably hoping to get Shaq around then and Kyron Moore too, right? Like that's that's the reinforcement period, yeah, isn't it? We've got. I mean, I'm looking at the roster right now. We got some really good players, but they're all in the injured injured uh, column, and we just got to we just got to survive here these next two to three weeks and get get some of our guys back, and then we've got to practice with them and get into a rhythm again. That's the other thing. It's it's not a guarantee you're going to all of a sudden be a different team with a few new faces. You still got to practice and gel together as a team. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but the good thing is we've got a group in that locker room that enjoys working, that likes practice, that enjoys football, that enjoys coming to the coming to the ballpark each game. So I'm I'm very optimistic that we'll get this thing turned around. Well, I'll tell you what, man. That you can tell the team, I said this on the broadcast, you can tell the team plays hard for Craig Dickinson. There's no denying that. These guys played hard, and they played with a depleted makeshift roster and really almost won that football game. Not making excuses, but as you sit back here, before we let you go, uh, honestly, and you are honest, your team's 4-3, and three, how do you feel about your team right now in terms maybe of a grade or just overall, how do you feel right now? I think, you know, I, I'm very proud of our guys. I don't I don't think we're the, the best team in the league. I certainly don't think we're the worst. I think we're somewhere in the middle. But I think we've got the ability to be an elite team and to be right there at the end when it counts. So we just got to get healthy and we got to get into a rhythm. I, I really believe that's that's the challenge ahead of us. I was hoping we could steal one of these two against Toronto. Honestly, we could have won the one Wolfville very easily. The one yesterday, we get you know we score that touchdown uh, on either the quarterback sneak or Charleston's fumble recovery, and we're up ten. I think we got a chance to win that. So we've got to find a way to win a close one this week because it's not going to get easier with BC. And we can get into the bye at five and three. Um, I like our chances to make a run in the second half. Hey, Dickie, you're like Mikowski. He says very few words in the locker room, but everybody listens. So for, when we meet in Toronto in the offseason, get pissed off. So that rule, that stupid rule goes off the uh, uh, rule books with that stupid Charleston. That should be, like, we got to get rid of that thing. These aren't the Oakland Raiders of 1977. This isn't the holy roller play. <laughs> I know. I, don't, I know that rule's out there, but it's, it's so seldom... Uh, seen and so seldom interpreted that way. I was surprised that it was, but it is a rule. I got you know. I'll give the the command center credit. They saw it and they called it. But I bet you, if they hadn't called it, I bet you not one person in the stands or on TV would have known any differently. Yeah, but if he kicks it to himself, it's a touchdown. If he kicks it to himself, it's crazy. I know. And yeah. here's the other thing, Ballsy. If somebody else recovers it, it's fine. He just can't recover it himself. See that's stupid. He should be able to bat that? it. He, he should. I should be able to bat it to myself, not somebody. Oh man, come on no. now. Now you're no, making yeah. me. That's now. the rule. I'm not kidding you. It's called an illegal, illegal forward pass or something along those. That's lines. the other thing. It's an offside pass, is what they called yeah, it. I mean, he, he doesn't I even have possession. He doesn't have possession. Come on, what is this? The WWE. Anyway, you take care, coach. I don't want to get you in trouble. That's me talking, not Coach Dickinson. Have yourself. A, have yourself a good night. We'll talk soon.
Thanks, my friend. Good talking to you as always. Yeah, Take care. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Coach Dickinson joins us. Uh, keep your texts coming. We'll save some of those texts for next week, too, if they're uh, what we call green texts, the evergreen that can be used at all times. But 936-6262, our text line. You can also call in, too. Uh, and we got Glenn Suter on. Maybe you got some comments for Glenn Suter. Glenn Suter's a polarizing person, too. Uh, this is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherritt. Limited on 620 CKRM. All right, one of my favorite guys, Glenn Suter. And we will tell you that his segment brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. I may be in the minority, Glenn Suter. I was on Twitter after the game. I saw a bunch of media guys saying, and by a bunch, two or three, maybe four. Ah, well, I can't really say it was a good game, but, I mean, there were some exciting plays, wacky game. I'll tell you what, man, we saw a 112-yard missed field goal return for a touchdown, which you will never see in the NFL again. You won't see in U.S. college football. Uh, We saw some great athletic defensive plays. Uh, It was a physical game, and it it did come down to the wire. Like, what, what more do we want? I thought it was a great game. Yeah, it was. It was a very good game. I mean, you know, I mean, if you if you look at any football game well any sporting event really and you look at when one of the teams or one of the players if it's a you know if it's a like tennis or something makes a mistake so hits it into the net or hits it out of bounds or whatever misses a serve you know those that that is the reality that is the human element that is why we love the theater of pro sports is because it is so unpredictable. You have no idea what might happen next. And in our game, because of the timing and the field and the rules and the motion, all of that lends itself to more changes of possession, chances on the special teams to have big plays. All of the things that you just mentioned is more readily available and happens more often because of our rules. And, you know, somehow and for some reason, and again, I listen to analysts and people in the media talk about hockey and I listen to them talk about soccer and I just don't hear this attack, constant attack. Well, someone is going to, in the next two days, talk about the fact that there was only 17,000 fans in BC Place for their game and there was only, it wasn't a sellout in Saskatchewan. Someone will find, think it's important to write down what didn't happen in the fan with the fans, someone will will take it out of the, go out of their way to write about how there was too many fumbles in a game. I mean, <laughs> I just I I don't understand it. I will never understand it. I've said this many times. It'll be a full chapter in my book. Explain to me why. Well, I you know I think uh, who was it when he was the the ballsy when he helped me here when he was the interim commissioner and he's now the mayor in Toronto. Um, um, John Tory. Yeah. Yes. When John Tory said, he said, if Canadians were voted the number one country in the nation, in the world, Canadians would ask for a revote, a recount. Like that's true. Uh, yeah. I don't know why we do it, but I thought that was a riveting, unpredictable, excellent game an outstanding effort by the the riders by the way just an absolutely i 
I mean, I, I hate to use this word, but bordering on heroic effort level. Well, if from, you we don't we don't we don't we, don't we we don't schedule sorry for cutting you off, Glenn. We don't schedule moral victories. There's no moral victory column, but that's as close no. to a moral victory. Like when you leave that field as Craig Dickinson, you're not happy. You're four and three. You're in the business to win. We had him on, and you got to make plays. He still said we left plays on the field, so we did. But at the end of the day, you still got to be happy with your team's effort. Like it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you're still very much in the mix. And how many players, their starting players, were out of the lineup for different reasons? I mean, uh, I, you know, we every team goes through injuries, but it's often, you know, one receiver that is out for a few weeks or it's a tailback that they change or an offensive lineman that they change, um, you know, and, and then there's someone on defense. And you, you kind of have to keep managing that as the season goes on. But it almost never happens where – 35% of your roster is removed. Your starting lineup is removed for one game. I mean, it's just uh, to to be in the game that deep and to have the lead, you know, I know there's a lot you want to touch on because I, mm. I, I, I've, I've got to call in with Darren Hackwood for tomorrow morning. Yep. I will, I will be able to relay what we talk about, but I have a couple questions for the head of officials. Yep. One is... When can we in any way um, take that rule and change it midseason? Probably not is the answer. But why not? The, why not? We changed pass interference midseason when Ambrosi first came here. Yeah, I, you're right, and I'm going to ask him because that's that ridiculous. Rule, that rule on Charleston Hughes. There is no reason to have that rule in the play. Glenn, if he, Glenn, he said after the game, Hughes said the ref told him if he kicked it to himself, that's an okay play. If, yeah. And Dickey just said on the show, if Charleston bats it, say, to Darnell Sankey, and Sankey picks it up, it's a touchdown, but he can't, bang, he can't bat it to himself. In all the world of changing rules to make it an exciting game, that's a 38-year-old man running at full speed that bats it to himself, the best athletic play on that field yesterday, you know, arguably, and it's wiped off the board by an archaic rule. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, the crowd just going completely nuts. And the atmosphere at that moment for a television show, off the hook great, an offensive play which according to the league office all off season was a huge priority. We got to have more scoring. We've got to have, you know, different ways to score. And a, a play is a rule is in there that I can't, I've been thinking about it since it happened. And I can't think of a real good reason to keep a rule like that in the, in the rule book. There's no rule for it because here's the other thing. If you kick the ball forward, you can recover it. If you kick the ball out of bounds, it is the other team's ball if you deliberately kick it out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, you know, I can understand that. Um, but you, if you die, let's say Charleston Hughes dove for the ball, and as he dove for it and tried to recover it, he swats it with his hands, and it rolls forward, and then he jumps back up and goes and recovers it, that will be okay. But if he does it, like he did it with great athleticism and gets it on the second hop and runs in, that's not okay. And not only that, it wasn't called on the field, it was called by the command center. 
Yeah, crazy. And, and, and that, to me, again, you, uh, I mean, they kind of had to because it's in the book. But if, you, <laughs> if we're going to have the command center take uh, that play out of the game, uh, you know, and when the officials didn't even call it on the field, We've got to think. We got to rethink. Well, we got to rethink. before we get to break, uh, I want to wrap up this rule talk. I want you to talk to to the, to the head honcho there, Aaron. and I yeah, want Aaron. you to bring this up. How in the he double hockey sticks does Sean Oakman roll into our quarterback? And all I heard was, "Well, he was being held, and he didn't mean to." And there's no there's no penalty. There's nothing. The command center even reviewed it and said, "No, it's good." Anthony Lanier II, exactly the same carbon copy, and it's a 15-yard penalty. And Croker comes over and tells Coach Dickey, according to Dickey, that, well, no, I thought he was a little over-aggressive. I'm thinking the Riders are being painted with a renegade brush here. I don't get that one either. Well, I hope that's not the case. I mean, I'll ask Darren Hackwood about that. I I hope that there is no sort of... um pre-existing thought from an official any official that this particular team we're going to call tighter than a different team i i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna choose to believe that's not happening but i i will say that i am completely confused now on the hit below the knee when you compare open and linear i just to me they are identical um, I've been told by rules committee people before that any hit below the knee, even if you're th- thrown down to the field and you can avoid it, they, they will try and read whether or not there was no way. Like if you get thrown and you and your legs sort of whip across and hit them and there is no way you could avoid that, then they will be a little more lenient on that. But if, if there was any possible way that you can avoid hitting a quarterback below the knee – it will always be a flag. And I I don't know how Oakman like tackles him as he crawls towards him below the knees is not a flag based on what I've been hearing in the past. And then to see Lanier do it and get a penalty, now I'm completely confused. So that's the reason for the call mm-hmm. tomorrow to Darren Hackwood. That and other things, but I, I do want to get some clarity on exactly what the standard is for hits below the knee on the quarterback. Well, we'll get Glenn Suter to report back to us tomorrow because he's on three times a week. When we come back, though, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about what I think was, well, I know it was my favorite football play of the day, and uh, Glenn's maybe been in this situation. I want to ask him about it on the other side. This is press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire on 620 CKRM. 549 with the sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. Their hiring starting salary for service technicians is $75,000 plus signing bonus. You can give them a call at 781-2090. Hockey Canada announced Monday that Regina Pats forward Tanner Howe and top prospect forward Matthew Wood have been named as part of Canada's National Men's Summer Under-18 team at the 2022 Helinka Gretzky Cup, July 31st to August 6th in Red Deer. Ballsy. 
All right, this is interesting. Kyler Murray uh, signed that $230 million extension officially with the Arizona Cardinals. He's now the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL not being sued for sexual assault. <laughs> and Kyler Murray, actually, his deal requires that he engages in at least four hours of independent study during, the, during each week of the season from Monday after training camp through the end of the last game on the schedule. Isn't that in? Isn't that indicting? Shouldn't a quarterback oh. getting paid that much be the first guy in and the last guy out? That's kind of troubling to me that he wasn't doing that already. That's there cool. has to be more to it. That's, that's just that's, that's just not. That's right. insane. He's got a homework clause. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I'd be embarrassed if I was Kyler Murray and that news got out there. That you know? is that is embarrassing. That is a that is an indictment. Wow, that's that's terrible. Anyway, Glenn Suter joining us for press coverage suits. My favorite play of the day was Mike Edom having to make a decision, and he smoked uh, Daniels of the uh, Argos, a clean hit, and took out his own guy, Amari Henderson. He talked to Daniela Ponticelli, our sideline reporter, after the game. He said, I had to make a decision, and sometimes there's friendly fire, but I wasn't letting that receiver off the hook. That was a physical play. Yeah, I think Mike Adams having a good year, and you know, you sometimes you do that. I, you know, I remember playing against Sacramento and and hitting a receiver down the seam, and Vincent Donaldson was on the other side. In fact, when we did our "Where Are They Now" yeah. segment with Vincent, he talked about that hit where he he was in between, like the receiver was in between the two of us, and so there's no give on that hit. You've got a guy going full speed one way. The receiver in the middle, he kind of gets sandwiched, so he doesn't necessarily always take the brunt of it. But the one of the two guys getting hit is is going to get. There's no give. There's no going through a player and having them fall down, you know, because of the force of the hit. So it those are the solid ones. You know, those are the ones where it, it was physical. Um, you know, a lot of great plays. There was so much going on in that game, though, Ballsy. Oh, I, I know. Did, I mean. What did you think? What did, what did yeah. you think of the Argos lining up? Now I misread it. I, I'll, I'll admit on the call I said it was a 56-57 yard field goal. I guess my mind flashed back to Lothar hitting the 57 yarder, and I, I, I was all uh, discombobulated because I thought they're going to punt, but they line up for a 61 yard field goal. What were you thinking on your broadcast? We were like, that's a lot of that's a lot of room for fat guys to run down. This Luke called the touchdown return before it happened. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, we, we also said that, you know, for the most part, and maybe you could ask Coach Dickinson about this next time, uh, but for the most part, you'll have two field goal teams. You'll have a, a different type of field goal team with more linebacker type guys in it um, than offensive lineman type guys when you're kicking long ones, like probably 50 plus. But if you go for those shorter ones inside of 40, uh, those can be more O-linemen because you need the protection and really only the protection because the kicker is going to put it through the back of the end zone if he misses. So, you know, you have you ha- usually teams have two different types of, of field goal teams so that they can cover long ones, but it, it, it's risky. And that's one of the great aspects of our game. Mm-hmm. We have so many great returners that are undersized for under other leagues, but they just – you know, shine in our league, and we we saw one of the great Canadian Football League plays in that game at Mosaic, and that hundred plus missed field goal return. 
Yeah, you don't get that in the NFL for sure. Uh, all right, so what did you think of Jake Dolagala's play? I rated him a B-. Coach gave him a B. I thought given the offensive line issues and the fact he was throwing to a bunch of backup receivers except for, uh, you know, Kean Schaefer-Baker. I guess Sam Emel is starting his third game as a professional, and he had a good game, and so did Tevin Jones. But for the most part, no-name receiving core. I gave him a B-. minus. I thought not a bad performance after the first quarter. Yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, I, I think there was some nerves probably early. He, you know, he had a couple of throws that he overthrew. Um, you know, I, I don't know about letter grades, but I, I, I thought that, you know, a couple of those throws that he showed us showed the potential. Um, I, I liked his demeanor the whole time, even when he had a successful throw. He threw that touchdown, and he, he just sort of kind of put his hand in the air for two seconds and then – went to the huddle to think about the next play. I, I, you know, I like that. I was actually talking to Rod Smith in the booth saying, you know, he just, he kind of reminds me of Ricky Ray, the way he carries himself, you know, not his style or his size or anything, just the way he carries himself. And to be thinking about the next play, not good or bad, the one that just happened. And I, so I liked, I liked all of that. You know, I think what got the, the riders in trouble offensively a little is, with their sets and their two back sets and bringing the fullbacks in and taking receivers out and having such a thin receiving core um, and, and going with that strategy, but then not being able to run the ball successfully, Mm -hmm. that puts you in a real bind because now you're in second and long second and 10 or more all the time. And, you know, you got a young quarterback that's trying to find his way, but there were some, there were some real good throws in there. I think, some throws that showed his potential. Okay, I've got a minute and a half left. Uh, we talk about Canadian football. You and I are Patriots. Uh, we got to give a shout out to Andrew Harris. I don't like him. Um, um, you know, <laughs> I don't just because he was a bomber guy, but he's a talented dude. He has a bit of a, a shadiness to his past, but I mean, I think we can all pick on everybody if we wanted to. But the fact of the matter is, this dude is still a great player at 35 years old, and he's the first Canadian to reach 10,000 yards rushing. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I, I was sort of lost for words in some ways in the telecast trying to find a way to almost just congratulate Andrew Harris and to see a Canadian in the top six, a Canadian to be, you know, past 10,000 yards rushing who didn't play university football but came through the junior program in our country. So not only are our universities and youth sport teams providing great world-class talent to our pro football league, but so is our junior ranks. And so, you know, I, I just, it's a real sense of pride to see that. Like I see the Maple Leaf on his shoulder when I see his name on those boards with 10,000 plus. And, you know, I, I hope people just absolutely drop this. Well, he tested positive and, and, you know, had to, was suspended or whatever it was back in those days. I mean, listen, everybody makes mistakes. He made one there, and he was tested many, many times before and many, many times since he has been tested. So that was a one-off mistake. I don't even know what the substance was. I can't remember. But there were some real borderline substances, too, that were on the list. And, Mm. you know, I, I just... Do not tarnish in any way his accomplishments on the field because of that one mistake where he paid his dues for it 
paid the fine or suspension or whatever it was, and then he got on with it, and he's never had a problem with it since, and he never had a problem tested multiple times before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, uh, th- I hope that doesn't linger. But, you know, based on how we started this hit, Ballsy, I'm sure some reporters are going to talk about it. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, I mean, gl- it's the Canadian Football League, so they'll find a way to kick it. Hey, you get out and report tomorrow, my friend, and we'll uh, check back. I'm very intrigued by our hit tomorrow. Thanks for your time today. Okay, thanks, Ballsy. When we come back after the 6 o'clock news, Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, we'll also have a Growing the Game segment, and we'll hear from Darnell Sankey, too. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And whenever we talk to our next guest on the Western Pizza Hotline, it is brought to you by our good friends over there at um, Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Rash Madani from Sportsnet joining us. Uh, I know your weekend was better than the Boston Red Sox weekend. I will tell you what. I haven't been around for every Red Sox uh, weekend but that was one of the worst weekends in Boston Red Sox history. What a disaster. Bossy, it got to the point where I was looking around, and, I'm, and, and this is like somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but not too much hyperbole. It felt like I was watching a Little League team play defense. Well, that's, that, that, and, that, and that, Alex Cora said as much afterwards. Yeah, and that Jaron Duran should be in the minors. He misplays the ball, <laughs> and then he makes no attempt. Like, I'm talking take all the effort in all the world and take it all away, and that's how much effort Duran gave to try to get that ball. And then, you know, on Sunday, Jeter Downs, named after Derek Jeter, playing for the Red Sox, irony. Yeah. Uh, Jeter Downs doesn't know where to go with the ball. You had one of their pitchers field the ball on his way to first base and like jump over the bag and miss it all together. Yeah. Like, look, what the Blue Jays did on Friday was remarkable. 28 runs, the most in franchise history. They had, both, they had 63 at bats in that game, like unheard of. Yeah. But the bigger story, you're bang on. The bigger story here is that the Red Sox were in shambles throughout and that is not the Boston Red Sox any of us are used to saying no uh, not at all man but conversely uh hey if you're uh, if you're kind of up and down before the all-star break you go into Boston and maybe it cures you the Toronto Blue Jays bats come to life and you know baseball it's a very uh very uh predicated on momentum so to speak and confidence and that could just uh, help the Jays out for sure well look they're on a little bit of a roll here but and look, if you're a Jays fan, I think the way you have to look at it, you'll have to look at it two ways. One, just win, right? The wins have to pile up over 162. Um, as Jordan Younger, former Argos DB, would say, I think he's with the Bombers coaching staff now. It's not about how, just how many. And that, and that matters. You just got to get wins in the AL East. But I still don't know, Balsy, even as we – the calendar's about to flip to August. I don't know what this team – quite is and you may say what do you mean they're 10 games above 500 they're right there in the thick of the wild card race yeah yeah but look at what's happened over the last couple of weeks philadelphia came to town jt real muto you know the outstanding catcher not vaccinated couldn't come north then 
you know, they get a win over Philly. Then Kansas City comes for four. The Jays win three of them. Not only are the Royals bad, but ten of their players weren't vaccinated. So you basically had a double right, double A, triple A team right, come in. Right, right. Then, then you go into Fenway Park. Two or three of the Boston starters aren't in the mix. J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers are banged up. And now St. Louis arrives tomorrow for two. And they're without two NL MVP candidates. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado are not vaccinated, and they have a bunch of other injuries too. So when look, you got to beat the teams you got to beat. There's no question. But I just don't know quite yet who and what this team is. But at least they're taking care of the business they have to take care of. Okay, I got this is an interesting story from the NFL. Kyler Murray signed a $230 million extension. It's official today with the Arizona Cardinals. He's now the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, not being sued for sexual assault, as I like to right. <laughs> like to say. The deal requires this is the part that this is interesting. The deal requires that Murray engage in at least four hours of quote independent study during each week of the season from the Monday after training camp and all teams will start officially tomorrow and end through the last game on the schedule, including any postseason games. So he basically has a homework clause. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And here's the thing. It's one thing to say I did my homework. It's another to say the dog ate my homework. But now in a league and in, in pro sports where everything is on iPads, where everything is password protected, where everything is monitored, the team can literally be on the clock to see what Kyler is doing with his quote-unquote homework time. Like, I remember when Michael Vick was lighting the world on fire with Atlanta. And, you know, this is a generation ago. It's only 20 years ago that Vick was the most electrifying, outstanding quarterback that we'd never quite seen before. And Michael Vick will now admit to you that the Falcons would send him home, you know, after meetings, after practice, after treatment, after more quarterback meetings with a bunch of DVDs, that technology at the time, mm-hmm. and for him to go home and watch it at night. And Michael Vick would tell you that in, in his car, there would be hundreds of DVDs that would never be opened. Wow. So... Look, being a quarterback and being a franchise quarterback requires so much more than just playing the position. You're the face of the franchise, you're the leader, but it takes such an understanding. And Kyler Murray's athleticism, Kyler Murray's arm, Kyler Murray's ability, Kyler Murray's knowledge has gotten him to this point. What the Cardinals are now mandating is, if we're giving you this money, what is it, Ballsy? Something like $160 million guaranteed? Guaranteed, yep. If we're giving you $160 million bucks, we need you to do some overtime, some extra homework, some extra, some extra study, and, and Murray signed that contract. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, Mike Sando does this every year. It's his ninth year at the Athletic, uh, uh, polling 50 NFL coaches and executives and ranking the quarterbacks in tiers. And I will tell you, he is 13 behind Deshaun Watson, who might be uh, 18 months before he plays, depending on how it shakes down here with uh, with uh, maybe even a more of a suspension from the NFL. I want to get to two more topics before I let you go. Uh, I don't. I definitely, in Rider Nation, don't want to make this a a love in, but hey, even sometimes you got to take off the green and white glasses. Uh, Andrew Harris, 
Uh, where does he rank for you, Arash Madani, a guy who was with the Ottawa Football Organization back in the day and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but Harris wasn't there when you were there. Uh, where does Andrew Harris rank in terms of best Canadian players to ever play in the CFL? Yeah, you know what, Paul, I don't know. I don't know, and I'm not dodging the question. But I will tell. I want to pivot the question this way. I would put Harris among the most dominant running backs to ever play the position, ever. Yep. And here's why. Andrew Harris has come up in an era and at a time where the running game has been effectively moot. That yes, okay, Canadian football's always been about spread offenses and shotguns and five receivers and the waggle and all those things. We know that. But there was also a time where it was still about three yards in a cloud of dust and running the football and establishing the run and all those kinds of things. But not in Andrew Harris's generation. Not at a time I mean, think of the think of the quarterbacks that he has played with. Buck Pierce, Travis Lule, I believe Mike Riley. Zach Caleros. Like, we are talking about elite level, high level, exceptional quarterbacks on teams where the offenses were all about throwing the football. And yet, amidst that, Harris is able to rush for 10,000 career yards. And that doesn't even account for what a threat he is in the passing game. Yeah, it's a good point. Like, he's he is... When you think about pro football north and south of the border, there aren't too many offenses where it's built around the running back anymore. And he, it is Correct. built around the running back. And Winnipeg hasn't been as dynamic on offense because, let's face it, Andrew Harris isn't there. I mean, they're still undefeated and everything like that, but they're not as dynamic uh, because Andrew Harris isn't there. Uh, speaking of... And remember this too, Ballsy, just, just yep, one yep, quick yep, ad. Yeah. How do you win a championship? You win a championship in November in Canada mm-hmm. and January in America when the weather's cold, when the wind is a factor, when the conditions are a factor. You need to establish the line of scrimmage and run the football. Yeah. Andrew Harris's best football has come when it's really mattered in November. Uh, speaking of Canadian running backs, the John Cornish Trophy handed out to the top Canadian play in college football. Uh, John Mechie the third, leukemia, and it looks like he's not going to play for the Texans this year. That's a sad story. Very sad story, and I, I thought it was amazing that Nick Saban even issued a statement saying John's been through it all, and it's it's remarkable um, what it's going to take for him. Like, I mean, this goes beyond football. This is about life. But think of it, the adversity. I mean, first the torn ACL, and now this. John Mechie is one hell of a football player. And the way he's handling this, you're finding out a little bit more. Like we talk about adversity and perseverance and all those buzzwords and sport ballsy. Um, this is real life, okay? And I actually admire the way so many of, like, John Mechie's only been around Houston for like five minutes. And the outpour of support that's come from his new teammates kind of tells you the impact that he's already made uh, in a very short time at the professional level with the Texans. By the way, I never mentioned this when it happened. J.J. Watt saw this lady selling his shoes, J.J. Watt shoes and his jersey online to pay for a grandfather's funeral, and he said, keep the stuff, I'll help pay for the funeral. That's cool. That dude has got it going on. And quickly, I don't know if you can get to it in a minute or less or 90 seconds or less. 
We can ban Russia and Belarus for what's happening with Ukraine and all that type of stuff as as should happen from competitions. How can Hockey Canada compete at a at an international event with everything going on with Hockey Canada? How can we do that in good uh, in good faith? How about this? How do you host? That's right. That's what I mean. Host? Yeah. Not just compete. Compete is one thing. Host, you're going to tell the rest of the world, come here because we're going to put on a show for you as an organization, as a governing body. Um, but, I mean, look, look how corrupt sport is. The mm-hmm. IIHF, the IOC, FIFA, Ballsy. They say things, show it with your actions. None of these people do. Follow the money. Good point. Hey, Arash, thanks for your time, man. We'll talk later in the week. Sounds good, pal. That's Coast to Coast with Arash Madani, brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. We'll have a Growing the Game feature to wrap up the show next, and we got tickets to give away to a soccer-friendly in town. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Key Zinger, tell me what's coming. we got a soccer-friendly. Do you know who's playing in this thing? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, coming up here August 3rd, it's Toronto FC 2 taking on Sunderland AFC. So Sunderland is uh is an English soccer team, and yeah. this is their under-23 uh, team that's coming to well, Mosaic what's the, Stadium. What's the Toronto FC 2? It's their second team? Yeah, that's their, it's their basically their youth team. Okay. It's their, it, it, so it's an under-23 soccer match between Toronto FC 2, their under-23 team, and Sunderland uh, FC. Sunderland is a team in the Premier League in mm-hmm. England, so Sunderland is a massive football club. But uh, the team that's coming to Mosaic Stadium is the under-23 team for the big team. And we're the presenting station. So we've got tickets to give away as the uh, presenting station. I want you to fire up the phone line, 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. We are going to play a game for the second time in the show called The Answer is C. So I'll give you a statement with three answers possible answers and the answer is C. So get the phones ringing 936-6262 You have to work a little bit for this mm-hmm. soccer friendly uh, matchup for the tickets. And it's four tickets by the way. Oh, it's a four, four pack. A four pack. A family pack. Yep. Of course you're going to work. Yep. The answer is C. 936-6262 While you call, let's get to this. This is Growing the Game in Saskatchewan, where we shine the sports cage spotlight on an amateur athlete, coach, or builder who is turning heads on and off the field. All right, Spencer playing for the under-18 Futures, Team Saskatchewan. You guys were out in Alberta, and you took a BC and Alberta to the woodshed. You laid the boots to them. Tell us about those games. It was really fun. You know, the team was really pumped up going there. We practiced a lot, and then getting there, it was really exciting. Yeah, tell me about your personal game. How did you do in those two ball games? I did pretty good. I played on all special teams, so I got a lot of tackles, and I thought I had a pretty good game. How do you like playing special teams? That's uh, not a glamorous job. No, it's fun because, you know, there's high-speed collision when you run them out fast, and it really sends the since the tempo for the game. What a background it was. It Taekwondo, what was it? Yeah, it was Taekwondo. Taekwondo. How much did that help you uh, with physicality and playing football? Quite a bit because, you know, like the, the mental toughness, you really got to be prepared to go out there. And How was this team picked, Spencer? Did you have to have tryouts for this team? Uh, how did that work? Yeah, so we did a combine in Saskatoon. Um, a bunch of players went out there, and then we did like a bunch of cuts. It was select. Yeah. And then we did a top 100 camp. 
And then that was the final camp for the decision. So they picked the top 100 players in the province. We did a couple um, drills there and stuff. And then that's how we chose our team. You only have a few minutes. You got to go to sprinting practice. So tell us about your off season and, and how you continue to hone your skills to excel in this sport. Yeah, um, I do a lot of speed training and that really helps with my game. And helps with everything, really, like all my other sports that I do. Who are you working out with? Who's your trainer? His name is Ty from Level 10. Are you uh, in any other football camps this uh, this uh, summer as you get ready for the fall season? Yeah, I'm actually starting Rams camp that I'm doing from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's coming up. I do a couple of things with Vincent Donaldson, a Rams coach. Yep. And I got my speed training. So have you always been a D-back? Because you are a defensive back. Has, have you always been on the defensive side, Spencer? Yeah, pretty much. Like I started playing running back and quarterback in my younger years, but I don't really think that counts. But I would say in PB football, I switched to defensive back, and I've been that ever since. What do you like about defense better? Because I assume you like defense better. Yeah, just laying the boom on kids, really. That's, that's <laughs> better. <laughs> I like that. So what, you're, you're, what grade are you going into again, Spence? Going into 11. Going into 11, and you're at Campbell, I'm correct with that? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. What are your goals for this upcoming fall season with the Campbell Tartans? You know, to, to play good, maybe get a couple offers from universities. That's my goal. Do you want to move away from home, or do you want to stay close to home so your mom and dad can watch you? you no, know, that's a good question. I think I want to move away just to, like, get the independence and do stuff on my own a bit, but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever works. Any idea what you want to do with your life? Your mom's an entrepreneur in the uh, in the fashion world and your dad's in investments. What do you want to do, Spencer? Is it too early yet? I've thought about it a little bit. I think I'd want to be like a fireman or a police officer. I don't think I want to work at a desk job, you yeah. know, whatever works. You don't seem like a desk job kind of guy. Hey, uh, let's, uh, have a, let's have a little fun here. When you're getting ready for the uh, game, what kind of music you listening to? Rap, anything that gets me fired up. Maybe some some 80s rock, but... Yeah, I was going to say, going. your dad isn't a rap guy. Your dad's like a poison, Motley Crue, Cinderella <laughs> kind of guy. Isn't that, isn't that you, too? <laughs> Not so much me, but he's passionate about that. Yeah, but do you like any of that music? Like you don't pick up on any yeah. of that old school rock? I like Motley Crue and ACDC. That really gets me going in the gym and before football games. So what do you, what do you run in your 40 and now, if you don't mind me asking? Not that that matters in the grand scheme of things, but it kind of does. Sure. In Saskatoon, I did a combine yeah. um, in April, and I ran a 4.77. And now my earliest time was a couple of weeks ago, and I ran a 4.71. Nice. Time. Nice, man. That's awesome. You can't teach speed. You can uh, certainly learn to get faster, but you can't teach it. Hey, Spence, congratulations on a, on a great U18 Futures uh, weekend there in Alberta. And good luck with Campbell, okay? Thank you. That's right, Spencer Rempel, the offspring of the Silver Fox. Kelly Rempel, our WHL expert. Okay, time to give away the soccer-friendly four-pack, a family four-pack. Derek's on the phone. How are you, Derek? I'm good. How are you? Going to wrap this show up in fine style, all right? Derek, we're, we're flying without a net here, okay? We're like the tightrope across Niagara Falls, meaning don't, <laughs> don't swear, okay, Derek? Here we go. The, the game is called The Answer is C. Okay, Derek? You live okay. in Regina, not Winnipeg, so you should be able to follow along. Here we go. Uh, number one, Kate McKinnon may not watch Saturday Night Live now that she's left the show because A, it's too emotional. B, she didn't enjoy her time there. Or Kate McKinnon may not watch Saturday Night Live now that she's left the show because C, she prefers comedy. Oh. I think it may be C. Yeah, it, it, it could very well be C. Here we go. The second one. you got to get three right, all right? Authorities who seized the Russian yacht were shocked when they discovered A, an ancient and valuable egg. 
B, a rare and delicious jar of caviar, or authorities who seized the Russian yacht were shocked when they discovered a sexy and shirtless Vladimir Putin. Is it C? It's, it's C. Very good. And last but not least, okay, uh, the game that's sweeping the nation, answer is C on the sports cage, or at least our control room. Uh, after getting married... Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez say they plan to live a life of A, wedded bliss, B, perfect harmony. Or after getting married, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez say they plan to live a life of C, relentless overexposure. Ooh, I think it's C. Congratulations. Congratulations, Derek. Nice. You, you and the family. How many in the family, Derek? Uh, it's the two of us. Two of you. Well, then you can take another couple uh, and you can uh, go to the game and enjoy the old soccer friendly August 3rd at uh, Mosaic Stadium. Just hang on the phone there, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much. That's all right. Derek playing the answer is C. I mustn't have wrote very good jokes there. He didn't even laugh. He didn't even laugh once. Oh, man. That's, uh, oh, that's terrible. Always next time, Balls. There's always Back next time. Back to the drawing board. Back man. to the drawing board. <laughs> I got plenty of awful jokes. Just got to find the right person to laugh. That'll do it for this show. Tomorrow, Glenn Suter will report to us on what he found out from the league about some of the awful calls that were made in that Rough Rider game. The Riders return to the practice field, so we'll have an update there. And, uh, yeah, lots of going on as the Riders get ready for the BC Lions. If you missed this podcast, check it out, uh, or the show, check it out in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the Sports Cage podcast, you'll hear from Riders coach Craig Dickinson exclusively and Nathan Rourke, quarterback of the BC Lions, who brings that traveling circus here, high-flying circus, to Regina on Friday. For my great producer, Sean Kleisinger, the great listeners, and all the guests, I'm Michael Ball saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow.